right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Life of Pi with me, your host, P. Young. Thank you again so much for joining the YouTube channel. Again, still playing with the setup. I know the video quality is not the best, but I'm working on different angles and coloring, so it's going to take a few episodes to get the best quality to you guys. But I appreciate your patience in the meantime. So, episode two, Tokyo Vice. Episode's name is Kishi... Kai C, I think I'm pronouncing it right. <clears throat> in this episode, um, quite a bit actually happens, and we open up with, we see Jake running down the street, and we see that he's running from from somebody. We don't see who it is till a couple seconds later, and we see that it is a police, not a police officer, it is a guy, like a butcher almost, chasing him with a knife. And he asked the police officer to help to stop the man. The guy's like, why are you asking about my wife's panties? And of course, the police officer is going to give him a really weird look. Because if you get that question at all from anybody and you're a police officer, you're going to be a little befuddled, if you will. Kind of like, why is this dude asking about someone's wife's underwear? So... This does transition to something later on in the episode. We don't know right away, so it's kind of a confusing way to start the episode. But we get a little shot of him running around Tokyo, which is kind of cool. Uh, and then we flip over to, to Samantha, and she's rolling up. She's trying to find property to buy in Tokyo. And the guy tells him, you know, nobody, the guy that owns this property is not going to sell it to you because you're a woman. And so for me, like when I was watching this, it was I thought that was kind of I mean, again, this takes place in the 90s. And I just thought it's just it's just weird to think about like different countries and customs and the way things are done, depending on gender and and race and everything. And just the way different countries in the time periods and everything. Hopefully, there's a chance I'm trying to find the right words. Um, Just the way things are done in certain places, depending on. Who you are and what you look like and whatnot, you know, not to get too like out there with all that. But she basically she's basically told, no, they're not going to sell her anything because she's a woman, which is kind of, again, it's a little messed up. But again, it's it's a different culture, different time period. Um, so she basically tells the guy, you know what? Fine. I don't need your land. I'll go find someone else. So we then flip over. To Jake, he's waiting outside the police station for Detective Miyamoto. So Miyamoto, he's one of the main police detectives. We recognize him from the first episode. And so basically, he asks him. He goes, "You know, what's the, you know what's the story on like this underwear thief?" And the guy tells him, "There is no underwear thief. It's just a windy day and a bunch of women lost their underwear." So Jake goes, "Okay, you know, no big deal." So he goes back to work, and he writes a story about it, and he is told by his assistant editor to write it over and over and over again. And so that's what he does. And I was, like, watching this, I thought it was kind of odd that he is, where he's writing this new, the news stories at is separate from the era that he works from doing his research. I thought that was kind of odd again. I don't know how newspapers work at all. So I don't know if that's like a normal thing for every newspaper to have two different areas for people to work in like that. I don't know. Maybe that's a dumb thing to say. I don't know. thought that was kind of odd. Again, maybe it's something that happens in the 90s and that's just the way they did things back then. 
you know, who knows? So, we then flip over to Detective Katagira. He's in the middle of, of watching interrogation at the police station. And there's a young Yakuza, um, low-ranking member, I guess, who walked in and admits to the stabbing. And so, of course, his partner, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably never really say, basically says, look, he admitted to the murder. We're going to take it, you know, wrong place, wrong time kind of thing. And the detective, he's like, don't you think it's kind of funny when, when like, we're starting to get a little bit of story here that a low-ranking member of the accuser that we think is responsible for this, the family, comes in and admits to the murder, and the guy goes, no, I don't think there's any anything wrong with that at all. There's no, like, all the research they've done, he goes, he's, and the guy's like, what research? So again, it's almost like they like the accuser is doing this. Made, they made this guy do this to kind of kill a story, so there's nothing to report. So again, already some suspicious stuff happening. Detective Katagira, you can tell it's not his first road. The guy's been around for a while. Again, played by the great Ken Watabe. Dude is awesome. Again, you guys haven't seen the show? Please check it out. It's on HBO Max. It's super good. Uh, let's see here. Then we flip over to Sato. He is at the Yakuza house. Let me see if I can pronounce this name right of the that Shakira Kai. And actually, no, scratch that. We're gonna flip over to um. There's we're flipping over to video footage. And there's video footage of their their rival, the rival gang they got there, and um. It's footage of them basically destroying property that the Jakaira Kai helps pay protection for. And basically, the two guys, two higher-ups that are in there with the boss, are wanting to retaliate. And he tells them, no, this will start a turf war and we don't need that. He tells them, we need to double down our collections and close ranks. Because if war does come, we'll be well-funded and ready to go. And then we flip over to Sato. He's out in the kitchen showing the new members who are coming in, being initiated and everything, how to cut the onions the right way for the boss's soup. Then we flip over to Jake finally getting his first article published. He, after all these edits and re-edits and over and over and over again, his assistant editor tells him he's going to get published in the evening newspaper, which, of course, he's ecstatic about, because I'm sure anybody who's been in any kind of newspaper business or anything like that, when it comes to, like, writing or journalism and stuff like that, you get your first story published. That's huge for your career. It's a big deal. So he's super excited. The guys he's working with, his buddies, are really pumped for him. And then we, and in the next scene, we see Detective Katagira, again, not letting the stabbing story go, which I like. A good detectives don't let this kind of stuff go. And so we see that Detective Katagira is actually at the stabbing victim's house talking to the widow. And she's like, all right, talk to the police. He goes, I know. He said, I want to follow up, make sure they didn't miss anything. So, finds out they actually had to loan some money. They got behind the payments because the interest rates are through the roof because through the Hughes. So they're just jacking the interest rates up to make more money on the loan they already gave out. 
And so when they couldn't pay back, she said the husband pushed back. And that that he basically he had if it was gathering information, getting road to a lawyer, he had info and files and all like their dealings and their illegal activities. And basically, she knows he was taken out. Katagira asks him, you know, do you have this information? She reluctantly says yes. And while he's talking to her, Jake shows up at the door. So I love this. They had there at the same time. It's kind of their first little almost scene together. I mean, I guess it's like maybe their second or third, but it's the closest they've been aware of each other, I guess, thus far. Jake shows up to interview the widow as well. Stating from the newspaper, she goes, you know, I'm not supposed to talk to anybody. And so he goes, you know, I'm sorry to bother you. And of course, Detective Katagira sees Jake standing in the doorway. Jake doesn't see him. So, of course, Katagira, being detective he is, makes a mental note. He's like, all right, newspaper, dude, I've seen him before. He's investigating this stuff. So he, Jake takes off. And so, of course, Sato, he's out collect, making more collections like he was told to do. Uh, he makes payments from, um, well, what, an arcade. And he goes to the Hostess Club, which I still think is just a wild thing that people pay for these ladies to sit with them. And then vice versa, there's men club twos, which I know it's just, it's crazy to me, honestly. I didn't know those things existed. Every time I see these scenes, it's just like, it's just, it's so weird to me, but it's different, but it's kind of cool. You know, you're getting a sense of different cultures around the world and how things are. Again, I actually looked it up. These are still a thing over in Tokyo. Um, they're still up and running. I couldn't pronounce names for you if I tried. Um, these are still real things for guys and girls. Um, so if you're over there, maybe check one out if you can afford it. <laughs> um, let's see. Then we walk into Samantha. Yeah, she shows up at the club, uh, picking up whatever, and she walks in her boss with his pants down. Basically, the boss is like, ask, I guess, almost like asking for sexual favors. I guess they would put it for one of the new girls to, I guess, help her get better clients or whatever. And Samantha picks up on this. He starts arguing with Duke, who's the owner. And of course, Sato shows up. He's collecting payments. And then we flip over back to the newspaper. Um, the chief editor, who continues to yell, I don't know if his word's good or not, so I'm not going to say it. He continues to call him a certain term of phrase. So again, I won't say it on here because I don't know if it's like, bad or racist or whatever, so I won't even go down that road. If you watch the show, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, basically, it's just a word to let everybody know he's talking specifically to Jake. And so basically, he makes Jake read this newspaper, or well, this report that just came out, that the underwear thief has been caught. It was some sales guy, and they went through. He found They found like 400 pairs of underwear, and they color sorted them, all kinds of crazy stuff. And so basically, Jake has made this read this out loud and completely embarrassed in front of everybody in the newspaper. Everybody stops what they're doing and is looking at him. And Jake gets demoted from crime to scrapbooking. Didn't know it's crazy that scrapbooking is the department in a newspaper ever, which is just wild. So basically, Jake got burned by Miyamoto giving him false crap information. So rightfully so, Jake is PO'd, as anybody would. You anybody would be pissed by that. Getting a demotion and getting embarrassment in your job. It's I'm sure it's happened to some of you out there watching. Your demotions, I mean, 
in front of people. It's just, it's, it's, it's super embarrassing. And I can't even imagine how that would feel. Uh, let's see what else we got here. We got, um, yeah. So then we flip over back to the police office. Katagir, again, on the case. He is talking to what we can only assume is his police chief. Uh, he's basically told that the case is closed. They have the they have all the evidence they need. He don't doesn't need to pursue anything or look into anything, and that's closed. Of course, category does he's just he's not believing it. He's trying to tell him he goes this isn't what happened. The boss doesn't want to hear it. Basically, tells them to let it go. So any good detective is not going to let something like this go when they know something is wrong. He doesn't let it go, which again I like. He doesn't let it go because he knows something else is going on. And of course, Jay comes home to a delivery on his front porch. Turns out, delivery after a long day, mind you. Jake's had a very long day at this point. <laughs> Getting home, you tell it's late. And of course, this is probably the, one of the best things possible that could happen for him. He, he gets a package from home from his sister. You know, he has like, it looks like what, like some kind of barbecue sauce. And, and um, he's got a hoodie from his sister. She's Missouri, University of Missouri on it. He's got a tape from his sister, a piece of paper saying, call his mom. And as someone who lived like out of state for a few years away from his family and friends, like, Getting stuck, getting that taste of home or getting something from home like that when you're far away is just like it is the best thing possible. It's like the the bag that's like it's like just just an unbelievable feeling. It's the greatest thing. If you've been been living away from home and you get a taste of home while you're still away from home, you understand what I'm, what I'm getting at, what I'm trying to say. It's just it's a cool little moment, and you know he appreciates that as being a big brother. So we have Sato. He returns to the Cusa house. He's short on the collection money, which is not good. If, if anybody's ever seen any kind of mob related movie where you have protections, you know the person that sent out to make collections. If they come back short, that's on them, not the person making the payments, usually. And so Sato tells his boss. You know, here, count these real quick. He goes, who was short? He says, Duke, which is the club owner that Samantha works for. And basically, it's made to be known that he said it would take a month or so to come up with the money. And the guy's like, well, that's bull crap. With all the hundreds, of, with all the thousands of dollars he's coming in every night, he's short by like a couple hundred bucks. It's ridiculous. And so basically, he smacks him across the face. He, he goes, he goes, I'm taking, you made a deal with him. Basically, like, services runner like you come to their club for free you're taking care of for the next month i make the payments and so the guy knows sato lato so sato gets slapped super hard across the face in front of all like the new trainee guys sitting on the couch and everything of course it's a big you know it's a big embarrassing thing to be slapped across the face and everything like that you know and he says don't ever lie to me again and so we flip over to jay then we got then we got jake on the phone he's talking to his mother and we find out that his little sister is actually very sick. They never really, they haven't told us what it is. We just know that she's very sick and that she's kind of been lying to Jake about it. And Jake's like, oh, she's fine. Don't worry about it. And of course, Jake sees Miyamoto come out of the police station. 
And, you know, he, he tells him, he goes, you basically, you owe me a story. He goes, you kind of screwed me here, dude. And so he takes him to like his little fancy, almost like a, like a hibachi looking place and buys all this food and everything to try and get the story. He starts questioning him about the cigarette package from the loan company. He's like, did you call the number? He goes, yeah, it's disconnected. I went to the building, the address, it's empty. So basically at this point, Jake is having to buy information from cops with food and and and, and liquor and stuff. Again, 90s, different time period, things work differently. Again, also being an outsider, people aren't going to give him information. Especially being a new suit reporter, people just don't want to give you information. Something like that, being an outsider. Lots of things working against him. So I guess he's trying to work the system the best way he knows how. So we met, we flip back over to the hostess club with Samantha and she's over there. She's trying to train one of the new girls who, who's very shy, doesn't really know what she's doing, trying to give her encouragement, like, you know, to smile, you know, and laugh at their stupid jokes and let them spend money and pay you basically or on your pocket. So, of course, we then see Jake shows up and requests Samantha. So they sit there and chit chat. And then, of course, Sato shows up and grabs basically goes samantha is mine for the night so she leaves jake goes over sits with sato so jake's like well i'm gonna find more out about this guy i've seen him in here a couple times and in between that there's a little little quick scene where miyamoto is actually handed the check so jake tells him he's going to the bathroom we'll be back after ordering a new round of everything drinks food everything and basically sticks him with the check for the bad info so super Pretty funny scene. Um, and so Jake, not a shy dude, just like walks over and sits in Sato's booth at the club. And he starts just BSing with them about shoes and jeans and cowboy stuff. And kind of goes, oh, you know, told him a funny joke. He goes, I'm going to write about that. And Sato's like, you know, he basically goes, you're right about that. I'm going to kill you. And kind of joking. And of course, Jake has to make a mad dash for a strain not long after that. And, of course, he misses the train, ends up having to go back to the office, sleep there, because he can't get back home, because apparently it's across town or whatever, and he, has one. he can't get back to his place for some reason. And so, we then have, yeah, we then have um, Jake sleeping, police report comes across the radio, you know, there's some gang activity going down at some club or whatever. So he books it through the streets of Tokyo on his bicycle. He gets there. He walks in on the um, two rival gangs squaring off against each other. It's, uh, let me get it, the, the, to, the Tozawa and the Chikarakai. Basically, one member has another guy on his knee saying he's going to blow his head off and the police are standing around not knowing what to do. And right before the guy shoots the guy, Kadagura steps in, basically diffuses the situation while he's doing this. Jake decides it's going to be a good time to take a photo. And of course, the camera goes, K-king! It makes like that weird, like, winding, the white, the winding camera sound. Of course, Kadagura instantly, everybody sees him. There's no flash, it's just the noise. He goes, you know, give me the film. You're not to write about this. This didn't happen. 
And then we flip back over to Samantha at home, counting money, make like doing books, whatever. And we see she has a huge stash of money saved away. We don't know what this is for yet. And then we flip back over to Jake standing outside of the club waiting for Kat and Garrett to come out. And he does. And he's just looking at him like, who is this guy? What does he know? How does he know? And why do people listen to him so much? Like, why do these gangs listen to him? And so that basically, like, right there, the episode cuts. So, again, lots of stuff happens. Episode, guys. Um, episode three, even more stuff happens. Every episode, we get more, a little bit, a little bit more information. So, again, episode one kind of gives you a little background. Two through, I think it's seven, are just awesome. So I'm really excited to keep going with these guys. Again, please ignore the setup I have been working on, getting a different setup or the right colors and the camera angles and all that. But I do appreciate you guys watching and listening out there, whether it be on YouTube or online. I appreciate everybody who's listening. And be sure to like and subscribe down below on the YouTube channel. Five stars if you're online helps me out tremendously. I appreciate all of you guys listening, and I'll be back talking to you next week about episode three of Tokyo Vice. And until next time, I hope you've enjoyed your slice of pie.